0: Appreciator Arama. Oh, yes, it's been a while. And uh, the last show, that was kind of an experiment. I found this old story in a magazine called All Story from 1912, the uh, February 22nd issue. And I decided to just read it and nothing else and see if that works as an episode. I'm curious to see how that went over. Perhaps there will be some comments, perhaps not, because that's just. I mean, Onsug is just a strange and wonderful place. And speaking of strange and wonderful, uh, the wool gathering continues. And in fact, uh, Eddie is going to be on the new Overnightscape Central, which may or may not have been released before or after this. We have a new show from Dave in Kentucky, The Ubermensch, which I don't know. He just loves to step into these 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 gray areas that some people might see as like oh he's talking about religion oh he's talking about world war ii in a revisionist way um i just love the way dave looks at the world and um examines it uh in a way that other people might shy away from and as promised shambles constant has kind of wandered back uh, an episode of somewhere in the Hooniverse. Uh, I'd love anybody talking about William Hardnell and the early Doctor Who's, because that's—I don't know what it is. I understand that most Doctor Who fans that I know that they're watching the new, newer shows, the post-season twenty-five Sylvester McCoy Doctor Who's, and I—I I love the old. Um, lost in space-like, and I mean they're not even like lost in space except for there's that cheapness and that cheesiness and that goofy old-school science fiction that, I don't know, this is another thing that I am from a different generation and a different outlook, and there's nothing wrong with the new Doctor Who's. I mean, it's still the same sort of fluff science fiction stuff, I just love the the corny William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton, John Pertwee. These guys are just marvelous. I mean, even Tom Baker. Eh, but the early ones, for sure, are something I'm far more prone to watch than watching the new ones. Uh, I've only seen little bits of the new ones, and it, it just it didn't grab me. It didn't say hey, Brett, you're going to love this. It said, ah, well, these are okay, but if you're going to spend time watching Doctor Who, there are so many of the old episodes that you haven't seen, and maybe you'd like those better. I don't know. And uh, as you probably are aware, we caught up with Mark Rose and talked about the first two Frank Zappa albums as promised, and after that, we had this incredible conversation that, I regret we didn't leave the tape rolling, even though it isn't really tape. It's this digital. But we talked about old Florida talk radio, for there was really this golden age in the mid to late 80s in the Tampa, even Miami markets, for a kind of talk radio and absurdism and politics all sc- glummed up together people like bob lassiter ted webb lionel who's now a big political pundit i mean he was big on wabc for a while but now i believe he's an independent but he has quite a few followings and a youtube channel and he's still out there but he's different than he used to be there used to be this silliness and this playfulness and hosts like Neil Rogers, Alan Burke, there was so much going on in Florida in the late '80s, and even more loss. I mean, Jack Benny shows from the '40s and '30s and '50s are preserved. It's very spotty. I mean, thank goodness somebody has gathered together a huge archive of Bob Lassiter. There's a lot of Neil Rogers. Surprisingly, he has his own. Well, he. Somebody has a channel called Neil Rogers on YouTube, and he was a little on the comedic side, but what a character and very much a unique host talking about food. Uh, He was very openly homosexual and played around with that and a lot less serious than a lot of political hosts. It was just This absurdishness that I don't think we have anymore. Everybody is just, even when they're being funny, they're being funny in this very focused political way and dismissive of others. I just don't see that kind of talk radio perhaps ever coming back. And we have hosts like Howard Stern who used to be a lot, I don't know, edgier a little more willing to go against convention and now he's just well he got old and very wealthy i mean everybody who works in radio and works hard should have the kind of success and money that howard stern has made but he was an innovator and you have to give him that but uh, mark rose and i just had this great talk i had no idea he had worked with scott shannon who, if you listen to New York radio as I did, he had a morning zoo show that really was the template in the days when morning zoos were a huge thing, and the goofy comedy that that's... It was never my real taste, because back then I was a really serious Howard Stern fan, and uh, he was kind of anti the goofy morning zoo, even though basically what he was doing was a more cruel edged shock jock version of the morning zoo when you really think about it but uh, mark and i will be continuing our zappa and one of these days uh, we are going to sit down with some notes and do a true tribute to those golden days of florida talk radio i mean there was a point where if it had continued ...and was successful, it, it kind of died a death in the early 90s. Everybody who was good got jobs elsewhere, then they came back a little disillusioned. And in the meantime, the, they weren't paying the hosts anything to begin with. But once you were making like Bob Lassiter, made a lot of money, even though he wasn't successful in Chicago. And I'm sure, dragging his tail bet- between his legs and coming back to Florida and having to um, eat crow, so to speak, and come back to the small market. I mean, once you've been in Chicago, the Tampa market is just this teeny tiny microverse where you're going to make what? Not even a quarter? If you're the best paid guy in Tampa, you're going to make like a quarter of what you would make in a Chicago market. And radio these days, there are so few people really making a lot of money, who are doing anything innovative. If you just got a slick delivery and you present the hits, or do you have a very well-packaged talk program uh, that really cleaves to a specific uh, political agenda, you have a chance. If you're at all scattered or willing to look at other things, it's it's not going to work. And even then, Uh, They they have this sort of Damocles over their head that they might be canceled for breathing the wrong way. It's really different than the 90s, which was when I was really still considering radio as a career. I mean, now, unless somebody's looking for somebody to do... I mean, Max Schmied can't even make a living. I'm sure he has a real job or some other independent source of income to do the nostalgia show he does each and every week, I think, on WBAI. Um, And what I do, I really am dubious whether there is a paying audience or even a big enough audience that radio stations would carry it even cheaply. So here we are on the overnight scape underground. And I'm having fun. And I'm able to talk about what I want, when I want, how I want and and that really counts more than anything for uh the fun of it all and and Frank Nora Frank Nora probably uh but, well any minute now if not right this minute is on his way to Italy I mean to go to a wedding and just oh man that is the life I really am and I, I hope him and Denise really have a great time because you're It just sounds so magical to me. And yes, one of these days I am getting things together. And uh, before too long, I am going to figure out a way to get over to at least part of it and visit my friends over there in Wales and, and expand my horizons despite the fact that everything is just so strange here in the States and here in my life right now um it's it's just utter chaos and I don't know it's not so bad but at moments it's quite alarming that at this age I am still and maybe even less secure than I've been or think I've been but it's all in your head and the one thing that I can say to anybody who feels troubled is having problems in the world and i'm no pollyanna but really try to stay as calm as possible think clearly focus and don't panic because things if you're working with them and all things being equal so far whatever crises i've faced in my life things tend to work themselves out and move forward and what else can you do? I I mean, Panicked never did anybody any good, even though sometimes I really feel it's the only thing I can possibly do. And uh, the big... I haven't been doing any shows, but there's more. I have plans for the next Big Appreciation Showcase, and I thank anybody who's been patient and is back listening to me once again digress and babble and do the ah-ums. Uh, but I've been listening to a lot of Gene Shepard nights in the meantime, and he does a lot of and does too. I think it's the process of speaking off the cuff and out of your head as opposed to working from a script because it's easy to forget that most presenters, especially in professional radio, are either working from very copious notes or an actual prepared script. And they are a deliverer, and they have writers. That's why all of these talk shows may be gone forever. They're just, they have writers. And even the questions that they ask celebrities, they have people holding up cue cards and teleprompters, and the real art is not letting people see that you're reading as opposed to being able to talk off, off the cuff. I mean, even Johnny Carson, I think, to a certain degree, was uh, less so than many hosts today. Uh, he, he certainly genuinely ad-libbed. Uh, I don't think too many people in the major professional realm of talk do that kind of ad-libbing and riffing anymore. And maybe it's good. Maybe it makes for a more entertaining and solid product. But me... I don't know. I feel like when I'm reading, I sound like I'm reading, which, you know, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But it's just not like Gene Shepherd, which is what we're aiming for. That kind of loose, sometimes awkward moments type of night radio where anything can happen. And if you make a mistake, you roll with it. You don't, like, delete it and forget it ever happened. And if you kind of fum for, there's somebody in post-production that takes it out. No, 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 no. The appreciator, uh, as far as I know, even if I work from some copious notes, is going to be much more continuing in the realm of me making lots of mistakes and somehow pulling myself through show after show, and grateful that anybody out there ever listens. Let's have a little public domain music. sometimes sometimes you forget to hit the pause button and that can lead to trouble but uh what we just heard were the original Memphis five who was a very early jazz group uh I type recording very well uh could have included uh Miff mole oh man Miff mole or red Nichols it's hard to say because a lot of uh, the, the, the credits uh, by year is tricky. But just, number one, I know a lot of people wince when the needle is dropped on these old scratchy records. But to me, there's this mystery and charm. And it takes you back to before Fidelity made a difference. I mean, Mark Rose and I just did that show on Zappa which was oh, marvelous. But uh, the equipment that I used to listen to music on and enjoy it without a second thought, and destroying the records, of course, but that didn't matter because there was the magic that you put the needle down on the spinning black thing, and the sound came out. And before the turn of the last century, people didn't have music in their home Unless they made it, there was no such thing as a recording. And now it's just this wonderful universe of devices and softwares. And yeah, the original Memphis Five and uh, that track was called Africa. And yeah, you could do racism and all that. But as you well know, I am a firm believer in historical context. Just like the story that I read in our last episode mentioned that main character uh, a couple of times as a Jew. Okay, so he was a Jew is the way my brain perceives that. And yes, there probably was some sort of stigma or dismissiveness or exoticness. It's hard to say because we're just suddenly you hear somebody call somebody a Jew in not like a open and obviously praising way, and just the potential dismissal implied offends people, and I just don't, I don't know, I don't think that's the way we will or need to approach it. I understand that it was used in a way to dismiss, make small groups of people Everything has a balance and you can't just take huge chunks of historical music, literature, old-time radio shows. I mean, even Amos and Andy, which is like the the big bugaboo. Oh, you're listening to Amos and Andy. Or the minstrel shows, Al Jolson and Blackface. Yes, because... We're hiding it, We're actually making it more shocking. And I mean, it was just around, and yet grown-ups told me, yes, this is how it used to be. And I growing up, I saw I went to school with black people. They worked at my grandfather's factory. up to Artie Bolden was sort of a father figure to my younger brother and I. And I never thought of them as less. They were different in certain ways, but I also understood from very young that I was kind of different and a weirdo. So it was just they were all a little—I don't know—this idea uh, that there is something wrong so long as you're not being outwardly cruel or genuinely discriminatory in a hateful way. It, it It's very, very touchy. And I think as time goes by, I hope that we, we come to more peace with it and balance. Because, I mean, there were comedians like I mentioned, like Don Rickles, who just went after everybody and everything. And it was fine. And Howard Stern in the day, even though now he's Mr. Innocent and Mr. Politically Correct in a lot of ways. He wasn't like that. He was harsh, but he was good-natured about it, and there was nothing that I perceived as wrong with it, and the edginess of it was just a magical thing to me, and it remains a magical thing to me, and I don't like that it's being taken away from our young people, and when they hear that and they see that, they recoil in such a shocked way instead of using it to understand the past and transcend the past without eradicating the past, maybe? I don't know. But this is something that I will continue. And uh, just my own foibles, I'm coming to terms every day with this uh, spectrum, Asperger's, autism, whatever it is that makes me tend to be a little edgy a little harsh a little sharp uh using my tone of voice in a way that some people find condescending dismissive um even hurtful uh, somebody's positing an idea and I'm like throwing rocks at it but I'm just playing with it but other people and, and when people do the same thing to me I can be very sensitive about it. So when I stop and I think about it, which is the key that I am finding, I am prone to speak spontaneously without thinking, especially in like a one-to-one conversation or in a group like on the exit ramp. And more and more, I hope, I'm learning to catch myself and allow people a little more space in their ideas and opinions, Uh, it's tricky. And it's all so different. I mean, the world, and this is the industrial age, the world changes so quickly. And there are things, I mean, a few generations ago, recorded music and then sound coming through the air with radio and then pictures coming through the air. And being able to go see movies. These are things we take for granted. But they're very new innovations. And in my life, there's just... so I mean, TV used to be black and white in a few stations. Now it's this high definition. More stations than you can even consider. I mean, like when I was looking at that old TV guide in the last um, big appreciation showcase and yes there is something so magical about having your pop culture that compressed and everybody seeing more or less the same people and the same programs and now the array finding common ground between people as we have more of this becomes more and more difficult and me i'm stuck in some past talking and thinking about people. I mean, Johnny Carson, to me, is this iconic talk host, uh, monologist, uh, just a brilliant, brilliant man and a brilliant and charismatic performer. And so many people, so many people only have a vague parlance with him or have no idea who he is. And... Just talk in general. A lot of people, I suppose, don't know who Jay Leno really is or have never watched his show, or Jimmy Fallon, or Conan O'Brien. I mean, even David Letterman, who was big not that long ago, is quickly fading. And because of this writer's strike that's ongoing, the talk may just die a death or go back to where the host is actually a lot more autonomous writes his own stuff and presents his own stuff this idea i mean if this were a professional show i would be reading off of a script mostly and i would sound a lot smoother there would be these andas and pauses and digressions i mean, gene shepherd wouldn't have existed i listened to his shows and i'm starting to notice Because it's been pointed out in my stuff that I stop, I thumb for, I get distracted, I do the and, uh, hmm, and cogitate, and nobody's editing it out, like, I mean, most shows now. If it's recorded, they edit all that stuff out, they clean it up, and Shepard still carries it off, I think, more and more I do. And I know I go back in some of my shows, I'm really obviously unfocused and going all over the place. And even on many of these appreciator shows, with me putting in what I feel is a little more effort and a little more preparation, I'm all over the place. And to some people, it's just words coming out, I would imagine. And yet, I persist and continue and will continue to do these appreciator shows. Um, Digressing, uh, I've been reading about and remembering the comic strip and comics because this is really dying. The newspaper comic strip and what it used to be and the magicalness. I mean, it was the TV of its day in a certain way. I mean, people would read, the uh, people like George Herman would do Crazy Cat, which is just such an amazing work of art. And it's almost impossible for a modern contemporary person to approach, enjoy. I mean, yes, the visuals might get your interest, but the premise and everything is just so not straightforward and relatable in 2023. It's like Peanuts. These very advanced and intellectualized child characters and a dog that imagines all these things. I don't know if somebody presented something like that today, if it would go anywhere. It doesn't have that modern charm of some sort. I mean, the perennial loser Charlie Brown as a hero. I mean, as a little kid, I wonder what that did to my self-awareness, seeing what was presented to me as a fellow kid being so self-reflective and all the people around him, like Lucy, giving psychoanalytical advice and being such a, what they called a fuss budget and busting everybody's balls to a certain degree, and Linus with his security blanket, which was an element that even by the 80s, while Charles Schultz was still seriously doing it, had been forgotten. I mean, Linus actually had a lot of a Christian philosophy in his early stuff that kind of got worn out along the way. There, All of these elements of the 1960s Peanuts Got streamlined as he went along. But this is what I read as a kid. And this has to affect you in a certain way. Just like I was exposed. and Yes, kids today can get on the internet and see porn and adult stuff. But I got to see like our crumb comics, which isn't just like pornographic. It's actually politically subversive and socially subversive. Uh, People like Lenny Bruce, who talked about all of these issues of the time, the prejudice, uh, the way people looked at things with this deep, cynical, hipster, almost beatnik outlook. This is all now considered politically incorrect, even though he was, like, so important to free speech. I mean, George Carlin, a lot of the stuff he did and talked about is now, like, I I guess that's why he retired. And, of course, once he stopped working, because I think his work is what kept him going, he didn't live very long after that. So, I don't know. The way the world changes and is changing, um, I don't know, we might want to hit the break and think a little bit more about how we are canceling things or deciding that things should be eliminated? However, whatever the case, we've hit our time limit, but there'll be more, and there's an overnight scape central, and lots of cool stuff coming from the appreciator, so um, I will just leave you with what I like to say. Set the controls for the heart of the fun. We'll catch you soon.